The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another SB Nation NFL show. This is the Off Day Debrief. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. He is Brandon Lee Gowden. We are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. What's up, BLG? How you doing today? Stats, I'm doing great on this Tuesday morning, bright and early with you here. Are you doing great? I don't know. We're going to get into that because we saw a crazy, crazy Monday night football game with the Colts and the Ravens on a game that featured some historic offensive feats on both sides. But before we get into that, this is normally the show where we restate the state of the NFL with the only 100% accurate power rankings in the entire NFL podcast universe. But... Before we get to any of that, BLG, we have to get to the news coming out of Las Vegas, and that is the resignation of John Gruden as Raiders head coach after just a avalanche of horrible, racist, homophobic, transphobic, pickophobic. Basically, John Gruden touched them all in his emails over the course of Uh, the investigation into the Washington football team, and he has resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, BLG. Your thoughts? So I guess one of the things I was thinking about as I'm actually looking at the front page of Silver and Black Pride right now, which people should go to, obviously, for more coverage on this, uh, our our good friends who cover the Raiders there. Uh, You know, obviously, this news kind of came out last week with some of the, the old letters uh, from 2011, where the first, obviously, the, the first thing that came up was just the racial slur um, that was used and everything. And then it was weird because we saw over the weekend stats that, like, I think it was both, like, Schefter and Mortensen in a very kind of, like, damage control kind of thing had said that, like, oh, well, actually, John Gruden also criticized Roger Goodell and not just um, uh, the head of the NF- NFLPA, um, uh who I'm blanking on his name, DeMaurice Smith. Smith. Okay, so context here, it's past midnight, so my brain is fried. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, that's my one excuse that I have. Uh, yeah, so we saw that come out, 
And I thought that was so pathetic. It was like, well, actually, it's not as bad that he said the racist thing because he also said something bad about Roger Goodell. Now, at the time, on I believe that was Sunday morning, we didn't actually see what was said about Roger Goodell. And obviously, um, seeing the exact nature of it, a homophobic slur is terrible and awful. And like, I mean, there was just no way this was going to work out in a way where John Gruden returned to the Raiders and it shouldn't because you say this kind of stuff. It doesn't matter that it was 10 years ago. I mean, you say this kind of stuff, it's out there now. Like this is the, the NFL shouldn't tolerate this. And, you know, John Gruden resigned because it was like the only thing he could really do to like the last, you know, ditch effort to kind of like salvage any kind of credibility you have is like resign as opposed to like, you know, trying to get fired. But even still, obviously there is no dignity in what he did at all. So a long winded uh, way of saying this is really bad. And the right thing happened in that Gruden is no longer the Raiders head coach. Yeah, I mean, John Gruden released a statement which said, in part, I never meant to hurt anyone. It's like, really, dude? You mean you never meant for the emails to become public? Because when you use slurs like he used that we're not going to say on this show, slurs hurt people. That's what they do. That's what makes them slurs. So this idea that you never meant to hurt people, you know, it's just ridiculous. John Gruden, when he apologized for the initial email that came out about DeMora Smith, said, I don't have a racial bone in my body. And, you know, well, guess what? You know, the racial bone was connected to the homophobic bone and the homophobic bone was connected to the misogynistic bone. Like enough, man, like get out of it. We we don't need this garbage from you, John Gruden. You know, he had people defending him after the first email came out, BLG. Mike Tirico defended him on Football Night in America. Tony Dungy defended him on Football Night in America. Like, this whole thing is gross and disgusting. And I agree with you that there was no other way for John Gruden. There was nothing else he could do. There's no way he could go in front of that team in that locker room and Carl Nassib, who just came out of the closet and all those African-American players that are on the Raiders and, and try and coach the team. Like all credibility is completely gone. There was no other route that John Gruden could take. It's a whole messy situation just from the standpoint of, too, why these were leaked. Now, obviously, that doesn't matter in terms of, like, that doesn't change the impact of what was said and what's put out there. But obviously, like, it's a weird timing in terms of the NFLPA, you know, uh, Smith being up for, like, re-election and everything, and then this is coming out. So, and it's, like, taking, you know, like, attention off of it. But obviously, that's not... Um, what's important, what's important again, is that the right thing happened in that Gruden resigned. I'm not giving him like, like flowers for doing that. Like <laughs> that is like the least he could do at that point. Um, it's just really bad. It's really frustrating to see. I feel bad for Carl Nassib as people were kind of talking about on Twitter too. Just like the fact that now he is in this situation, like it's a, just a, like a weird, not great situation when your head coach is coming out with this. And it's just like putting more stuff on his plate that didn't need to be there. It's just, it's a messy situation all around. It's really bad. Um, I, you know, people can be like, oh, cancel culture is ruining everything. Or people can be like, well, these were old or these are private. It's like, guys, like this doesn't change the fact that what John Gruden said was very wrong. Like that is just, there's no argument against that. Like what he said is wrong. And it came out now and that matters. Like it's not, it, it, it's just, it's a really bad, it's a, it's a really messy and bad situation all around. There's no winners here.
It's not a cancel culture. It's a consequence culture. And by the way, mm. what makes you think that John Gruden is any different today than he was from the same person that sent those emails in 2011? And for anybody that doesn't know, by the way, these emails are coming because of the NFL's investigation into the Washington football team and the toxic work culture that was created and allowed by Daniel Snyder. There were 650,000 emails that were reviewed in the NFL's investigation. I know a lot of people are saying, hey, it's funny that only these John Gruden emails are the ones that have leaked. And yeah, that's a whole separate thing. And I get that. I get that vibe from people like that's that's a legitimate response to have. But that doesn't excuse anything that's in the John Gruden emails. So Rich Bisaccia now is the interim head coach for the Raiders. There, there are so many uh, football tentacles to this thing, apart from the horrible comments that Gruden made, which I, I feel like we've covered now. We both acknowledge they're terrible. From a football standpoint, I never thought we'd get to a point, BLG, where Mike Mayock would actually get to be the GM of the Las Vegas Raiders because he was brought in by Gruden. Now Gruden is out and Mayock is still there. I just want to shout out outsports.com too, because I mentioned Silver and Black Pride. Obviously, both of these outlets are doing great work uh, covering the story for SB Nation. Uh, yeah, and it is interesting if you're pivoting to a football side of it all, which is a weird thing to say in this situation, because this isn't obviously just about football, but because we are a football show, we will analyze that part of it as well. And yeah, I mean, coming into this year, stats when you and I had our first head coach most likely to be fired thing, we discussed John Gruden on there, although we were like, it's just so crazy to think that would be, happen because, and obviously <laughs> we, no, no, no one could have predicted this, but just be, the standpoint of the contract, the fact they had so many years left on that stupid $100 million 10-year contract, and it felt like this was going to be a season where things maybe didn't go so like going into the year, not when they started three, and know where things yep. weren't going to go so well. And Mayock was kind of going to get, you know, he's, he was going to take the blame, even though I think we all know that John Gruden has had his hand in personnel too. And it's not only like Mayock is making those picks. Um, but now Mayock outlasted him. And that's kind of an interesting wrinkle to it all. Um, stats. There's a Super Bowl winning head coach out on the market. I the knew you were going to take it here. <laughs> You're <laughs> if, going Doug Peterson. Well, and Mayock's a Philly guy, too. He's from Philly, and he used to be the Eagles' uh, preseason color commentator. And, True. yeah, so the ties are there. He knows Doug Peterson. Um, you're looking for a guy who could kind of – I mean, obviously, they're not going to make, like, a hire in season. I'm guessing that's typically not what teams do is, you know, you have to kind of go through the process of evaluating all the candidates. But if you're looking to add someone who would add kind of credibility back to that program after this big mess, I mean, could do worse probably. That So I don't know what the money situation is. Gruden resigned, so I would assume, I mean, quote-unquote resigned, whatever, but I would assume then that the Raiders do not have to pay him the remaining money on his contract. So if they wanted to go out and bring in somebody like a Doug Peterson, theoretically they could do that. Now they've said Bisacci is the interim head coach, but I think you, you know, if you're the Raiders, you kind of want to name an interim head coach and present like stability and all of that. Basachi is actually going to meet the media on Wednesday, which is going to mean <laughs> good luck, man. I thought it was mm. tough when Bobby Petrino up and left the Falcons back in the day after Michael Vick went to jail. But I mean, this in terms of situations that you're stepping into, Rich Basachi has got it pretty, pretty tough. Yeah. I mean, again, just from like, 
the football side of it all, the Raiders are suddenly not looking so hot after this 3-0 start. And, you know, the Chargers are surging in the division too. It's just like things, you know, it's like, oh, things are off to a good start. Maybe this will actually be the finally the year for Gruden where he finally makes the playoffs after these, you know, first couple of years where they can't do anything. Um, and nope, Raiders are back, <laughs> unfortunately for them, uh, into their – uh, their own pit of misery. I mean, I mean, goes without saying stats here that we're throwing John Gruden into the pit of misery. I mean, like that. I don't even need to really say that. Like that's obvious. Um, but that is happening, and it's unfortunate for Raiders fans. I feel like because again, there was this promise here. Maybe it is different this time, and unfortunately, it's not. Um, I guess you can look at it through an optimistic lens of like, hey, like Gruden probably wasn't going to be the answer, and now he's gone, and now you can have hope that this kind of toxic personality clearly um is gone and you can actually move forward with this and uh yeah because otherwise you were stuck with that big contract you were stuck with an owner who was really obsessed with john gruden like that's that much has been apparent yeah obsessed with him uh and that doesn't ever seem like a healthy dynamic so uh they've moved on but obviously there's a lot of mess to kind of sort through in the meantime yeah i mean if you're the raiders first of all you played Chicago last week. You had a perfect opportunity to really step up in the AFC West. You know, Kansas City loses, Denver loses, everything is there for you. And they go out and they have their worst offensive performance of the season. And I think that's due in no small part to the fact that John Gruden was dealing with all this stuff. Everybody knows it's a Gruden offense there in Vegas. Like, it was clearly his show. I don't think it's a coincidence that they went out and laid an egg as all this emails are coming out and all this stuff is coming out. And just from a football standpoint, now you look and they're three and two tied with the Broncos. Now they're, they're in the muck with everybody when they could have really elevated themselves. And if you're a Raider fan who has nothing to do with this John Gruden nonsense, that's disappointing and frustrating. Yeah. And again, especially in light of the three and no start and like, Hey, Derek Carr, maybe he's actually an MVP candidate and we've turned things around and Nope. It's just kind of back to this chaos, which is, again, I think it's unfortunate because I, as we've talked about before, I think across the SB nation NFL show feels, and I think I've used specifically said like the NFL is better as a whole when the Raiders are relevant and good. They're, you know, like one of the classic teams, um, but it's just not looking like the case, unfortunately. Yeah. I do think the NFL is better when the Raiders are good. I, it's just they're one of those teams. And, you know, the autumn wind is a pirate. Like, everybody likes the Raiders, I feel like. who, if Unless you're a fan of a team in the AFC West, like, people kind of want the Raiders to be good. The Raiders. You know, there's, like, that mystique there. <laughs> and, unfortunately, now, not going to be the case. They're probably staring at yet another lost season. Now they have to start, you know, they have to find a new head coach. It's – who knows where it goes from here. The – the entire trajectory of the Raiders franchise has been altered by what took place yesterday. So we'll see where it goes. Sorry if you're a Raider fan, but you're going to have to just kind of hang on and, and see where things wind up. All right, BLG. We have talked about the John Gruden news, and it could only take a story as big as the John Gruden situation to stop us from leading the show with an incredible Monday night football game between the Colts and the Ravens that featured more than 800 combined passing yards by the starting quarterbacks, an incredible comeback, and just one of the best Monday Night Football games we've seen in recent memory. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into that because I know you and a lot of Eagles fans have a particular stake in this game. I know you're going to want to discuss that. We'll get to it when we come back. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show brought to you by DraftKings. We haven't even gotten to the Monday night football game, which was outstanding between the Ravens and the Colts. Baltimore gets the 31-25 win in overtime, BLG. This is a game that the Colts had in hand. In the third quarter, this game was 22-3 Colts. How the hell did they end up losing? Because their defense couldn't stop anyone. If that's, you're looking for the actual answer, that is a big reason why. Um, clearly just too banged up. Uh, the Ravens just ended the game. This like scoring touchdown drive after touch, like literally their last, the Ravens' last four possessions on offense were touchdown drives, and like not necessarily ones that were set up by short fields too either. Like first one, seventy-five yards. Next one, seventy-eight yards. Next one, seventy-five yards, and then the final one to cap off the game, sixty-eight yards. So like they were just moving the ball at will and scoring after such a slow start against the Colts defense that was looking really good for most of the game, or at least pretty good. Obviously that they had that big turnover around the goal line, which really swung things. Um, but stats, let me tell you that uh, this is a national football podcast, but there are a lot of Eagles fans, specifically from Bleeding Green Nation, who listen to this podcast. And I will tell you that this game is the perfect result for the Eagles because Carson Wentz played well. So the Colts aren't going to be rushing to bench him. But he And he also played 100% of the snaps, which is really important because the Eagles need to get to that 75% threshold. <laughs> and the Colts lost. So their draft pick didn't get any better. So uh, for the people who don't care about that, uh, tough, tough loss if you're a Colts fan in that, like, it's not a situation where your team just stunk as much as the kicker was hurt and he missed some kicks. And then the defense kind of just ran out of gas at the end. But to give the Ravens credit here, stats, because they deserve their flowers, there's something to this team. There's really something to this Baltimore team. Like, they have, they have something going on. There's some moxie there. I think I mentioned to you before, seeing that kick, Justin Tucker kick against the Lions, reminded me of the Eagles kicking that 61-yard field goaler with Jake uh, Elliott back in 2017. Like, this team doesn't quit. They never say die. Lamar Jackson deserves a ton of credit for leading the Ravens back in this and being sensational down the stretch. Like, I don't know, man. Like, even when things are going bad for the Ravens, you can't count them out. This is the game the Ravens are not supposed to be able to win, right? What do we people always say about Lamar Jackson? Well, he gets down multiple scores, and I don't know if he can come back. Well, guess what? He was great on Monday night, and great from the pocket throwing the football. 442 passing yards, four touchdowns, 
504 total yards in the game, 140 and a half passer rating. Every narrative that you wanted to throw out about Lamar Jackson was smashed in this game. And if he's going to play like that, I mean, good luck trying to stop them. I don't know what you do against that guy. If you rush him, he can run around you. He can dice you up from the pocket. Lamar smashed all the narratives about him on Monday Night Football. He delivered in a really big spot. Um, and, and I know you hate his guts. <laughs> That's so not true. <laughs> I'm saying, like, so, okay, the Ravens can do this. We've said all along we have to see it in the playoffs. And obviously we're not going to be able to see that until the postseason. But, hey, look, Ravens in decent position now, 4-1. and one. Um, They're in a good spot, I feel like, in their division in the AFC North with the Bengals looking, you know, feisty there, but not quite, you know, maybe being there, not quite being the team just yet. Um, and then you have the Steelers, who I don't think we're, we we think they're going anywhere fast. Now, the Browns are really tough, too, but I think the Ravens are right there. And kind of a spoiler here to my power rankings, but I have the Browns at number six and the Ravens just behind them at number seven, considered putting the, the Ravens over the top. But, you know, they did trail for most of this game, so kind of couldn't do it. And they almost lost at the end, too, when the Colts, you know, missed a field goal. Uh from what, like 34 yards out at the end of regulation to send it to overtime. So yep. easily could have been a loss for the Ravens. They're, they've flirted with disaster a little too much in a way that, you know, kind of makes you be like, well, like you would like to kind of see some more convincing wing wins. But at the same time, uh, I don't think it's just a matter of like, oh, they're just, they keep getting lucky. I mean, they're making some of their luck here in terms of the resi- resiliency that they have. Yeah, I mean, you don't get lucky. You can't just wave away a comeback when you're down 22 to 3 and say it was all luck. Like, no, it was Lamar Jackson playing to the MVP form that we have seen him play towards. And to be honest, some people would say maybe even better considering how much of his damage he did from the pocket in this game. That's not luck. You can't just wave that away. I don't like when people do that. I will say that the NFL has been very lucky because Monday Night Football was the 19th game this season. And again, we're only in five weeks now. 19th game this season that was decided in the final minute or overtime. That is an incredible stretch for the NFL. Like Roger Goodell is sitting back and he is loving this. It seems like no matter what happens with football, somehow it all seems to work out. It's going to lead to ratings. It's going to lead to money. And it's just it's all good for the NFL. It's a very like common trope to say, but like it's a game of inches stats. Like it's a, it's a, the, the margin of error is very small yes. and it's all about like sample sizes too. Like it's, it's, there's things we do know for sure about the NFL. I mean, we, we tell you them all here on the podcast and nowhere else uh, every week. This is the number one place to learn about the NFL, obviously. Uh, but like, there's so many things that happen that are just in a small sample size and the, like, yeah, you could look at a team and be like, okay, we're one and three or we're, you know, one four at this point after week five, but we could easily be five and oh, like there's a lot of teams. You could, you could say the chiefs, you know, obviously some things could have turned around for them. Uh, the lions we talked about, like they could easily have a win by now they're own five, but like, yep. like not all own five records are built equally. Like, you know, the Jaguars are, are very much own five. <laughs> they're own <laughs> so, 10 actually. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, there's there's nuance, but that's what makes the NFL fun, too, is to to be able to kind of look at it all and parse through it like we do and, and analyze it. It's not as simple as like, you know, baseball, where I think you kind of just are what you are. There's so many for 162 games like there's no like actually the team was better than they you know. No, it doesn't work that way. So that's what makes the NFL beautiful. I just want to say, because you have conveniently, I feel like glossed over it. Your boy, Carson Wentz. 
25 of 35 for 402 yards passing, <laughs> two touchdowns. Also, well, he didn't really do much on the ground. Two carries for five yards. Mm-hmm. Did have one fumble lost, but... I mean, yeah, this is the best big. game Carson Wentz has played in a long, long time. He looked really good. And you haven't given him sure. any love because you hate his guts. No, that's not true. That is not true. I did not. How did I gloss over this? I said this is the perfect result. I said it's good that he played well because then perfect now the folks the are going to keep playing him. But not, I mean, Carson yeah. played in any other game. Well, that's good enough to win. Sure. And I'm not trying to say he sucked or anything or it's, you know, it was unfortunate for him in that. He played a winning caliber game. He literally took them down again to for a field goal at the end of the game. Yep. And the kicker missed it. The kicker was hurt. So uh, I'm not trying to try to take anything away from Carson Wentz in this game, except for the fact that fumbling is a very big issue. Like that, <laughs> that's something that doesn't show up on the stat sheet though. Like in terms of like your pass rating, that's not going to impact his pass rating. But that was a really bad play. Like that's like almost as good as a pick when you're. I mean, you're turning it over. Bottom line. And it was a play where he held onto the ball too long, as he often does. And he now has 61 fumble stats in 74. Like, it's not stopping. Like, it's never going to just magically go away. He's always going to a fumble, and that's going to be an issue. And it's going to cost the team. And he's not the reason they lost this game, clearly. And I think Colts fans can feel somewhat encouraged about him moving forward after this kind of performance. He certainly looks better than he did a lot better than he did last year. But I mean, I'm still not in on him as a championship winning quarterback as a guy who can kind of, you know, help you compete and do some good things. Sure. Um, But like, you know, I think we need to see this with consistency before we're saying, Oh, Carson Wentz back to anything close to what he was in 2017 MVP form. Colts fall to one and four on the season now. And more importantly, BLG, they are at number 23 in your power rankings for this week. As we often say on the show, the only 100% accurate power rankings in the entire NFL podcast universe. Let's get to those now. Always like to read off the top 10 for people listening. Number one, a new number one this week, the Buffalo Bills. Mm. They take the the, uh, crown from the Cleveland Browns. Number two, the Arizona Cardinals, the only undefeated team in the NFL. They are up one spot from last week. The Rams are at number three. The Chargers are at number four. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, five. Cleveland Browns, six. The Browns? The Browns fall from one to six after the incredible game that they had. We are definitely going to talk about that. Baltimore Ravens at seven, as we said. Green Bay Packers, eight. Dallas Cowboys, nine. And the Chefs of Kansas City at number 10. I know Mm. the Bills are number one, but I got to get to the Cleveland Browns because that game against the Chargers is maybe the game of the year. An incredible performance by both teams. Chargers win 47-42. How do you look at that game? And look at how those teams played and say the Browns go from the best team in the league when the week started to now all Mm. the way to number six, BLG. Well, where should I put them? All the other teams in the top five won. Like, you want me to knock down one of those teams? I don't like how it's just the way the rankings work stats. What, What should I have done instead? Tell me. Well, you always say it's not a standings, right? So, like, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Tampa Bay is the are they that impressive? I, 
I'm moving them back after Tom Brady just had five touchdowns and they like destroyed the Dolphins. Like I'm I'm dropping them a spot yeah, after yeah. that. I can't. They destroyed the why. Dolphins. They're the Dolphins. All right. The Browns dropped 42 points against the Chargers. This game was absolutely out of control. It had a zillion lead changes. The fourth quarter of this game had one, two, three, four, six touchdowns in this game. Like you're not you're dinging the Browns five spots for losing a 47-42 game to the Chargers. And maybe BLG, maybe the best quarterback in the league right now in Justin Herbert. So you'd be okay with their, if they were five instead of six, is what you're saying? Like that's fine. I mean, because we're you're not we're going to put them above the Chargers, who I have at four. Like they just lost I to would, the Chargers. I can't do that. I would honestly like I would put them higher than the Cardinals. I don't know that okay. they would need to be number one, but I don't think the Cardinals are a better team than the Cleveland Browns. Hmm. I think that's fair. That's an argument. But like, look, again, all this is, as I say, kind of tier based too. Um, and I think if you look at this top, let's say almost top 10, I mean, I guess maybe not top nine, because let's let's cut off the Chiefs there. I mean, I think any <laughs> of those top nine teams that I have are the top 10, because, I, you know, obviously the Chiefs are, I, I have them at top 10. Um, if they didn't have, you know, the the clout that they did, the track record that they did, I probably wouldn't be getting them the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt. But they've clearly earned some of that. I, you know, I don't think they're just fading away this entire season just because they're off to this not ideal start. They're still going to be a playoff team, I feel like, at the very least, and a dangerous one at that because they still have a very good head coach and quarterback, even though their defense is terrible. But, I mean, you look at any of these top nine teams then – I think they're all legitimate Super Bowl contenders. These are all teams you think like have a realistic shot to win the Super Bowl this year. Like once you get outside of that, I don't think you can say that about any team. Like like any team outside of that is a long shot at best to make the Super Bowl. Let's go back up to number 1 now that I've gotten my Cleveland Browns rant out of my system. The Buffalo Bills, I said on the look ahead going into this game that we really don't know what Buffalo is given the schedule that they have played up to this point. You know, you look at who the Bills have played. In week one, they started off against the Steelers. They lost. They beat the Dolphins, Washington, and the Texans. And it was like, okay, that's not really impressing me. To me, I thought this Chiefs game was their first real test, and they passed it with flying colors Josh Allen looks like he has regained the form that we saw so frequently last season. And are you now a believer in the Buffalo Bills? I don't think I was a doubter before. I just had questions, you know, about like, as we've said a billion times, like how much to what extent is Josh Allen going to regress? And he, he didn't have a great start to the season and they lost to the Steelers in week one in part because of that, but he got right against the football team and they've really turned it on ever since. And I mean, that's a statement win when you go to Kansas city and you just beat them and, and Josh Allen, like, he out Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. Like he just looked like <laughs> unguardable. You couldn't do anything about it. And anytime the Chiefs needed a big play, uh, sorry, the Bills needed a big play, like he was there to deliver. Um, you know, the way he, like, he had that air Josh moment where he left over a, a Chiefs defender. And it was just like, that's so demoralizing when you see that. It's like, we can't do anything to stop him. He, he had a lot of good runs in addition to some, to some of the throws he made in that game stats were just like incredible. And they looked easy for him. Like, I, I just don't know what you do. Like, again, with Mahomes, there are times where you just look at it and you're like, I don't, what, what are you even supposed to do on that play? How are you supposed to defend that? And now, part of this, again, I think is the Chiefs defense being so terrible. But still, <laughs> you know, Allen made big plays. The offense dominated. The defense dominated. I actually saw on Buffalo Rumblings, they, 
they had a headline or something like, we don't even know what to be more happy about coming out of that game, the defense or the offense. So that's a pretty good problem to have. Uh, yeah, Bills are hot. They look really, really good, well-coached, talent. Like, they have it all clicking for them. There isn't anything I think you can really ding them for right now. I'm surprised that you have the Bills over the Chargers, just given the difference in the two teams' schedules. You look at who the Chargers have played, Washington, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Browns. Like, the Chargers right now can say, hey, we're the best team in the AFC. Look at who we've played and who we've beaten. You know, we beat the Chiefs 34-20. to We beat the Raiders, you know, obviously before all this Gruden controversy stuff. And we beat the Browns. Like, we are the kings of the AFC. Yet I look in your power rankings, obviously you have the Bills 1, you have the Chargers at number 4. And I like the Chargers a lot, Stats. Like, that's not a secret. They're they're my AFC team uh, because I need something to root for. And Justin <laughs> Herbert is just continues to be a monster, just the real deal. I mean, I, I want to see a playoff game with these two teams, the Bills and the Chargers. Just Justin Herbert and Josh Allen trading. Like, that's just going to be crazy. That's gonna, there's going to be so many great passes. Um, they're just both of them. Pleasure to watch when they're on. And I really like Brandon Staley a lot, too. I think he is going to be the coach of the year, which was my pick, by the way. And Justin Herbert <laughs> has a real chance to be MVP of the year, which is also my pick, by the way. And I also said in an off-season edition of, I think it was Monday Football Monday when I was filling in for RJ, to Pete Sweeney himself that the Chargers are going to win the division this year. And he scoffed at it. He didn't believe me. And, uh, well, you know, it's early. I haven't won it just yet, but... Not looking too bad. Uh, I have them as like 1A and 1B, really. This isn't like, I don't see a huge gap between them. I think the Chargers are absolutely dominating right now. Justin Herbert looks like a, he's like a machine. Some of the throws he makes are, they're, I don't want to say Mahomesian, because it's not like Patrick Mahomes is the only person that can ever make these throws. But he just drops these dimes in there. He's got more 300-yard games than any quarterback in his first two years in the history of the NFL. And if you're a Charger fan, like, you're feeling great. You're feeling like the AFC runs through you right now. And I can't really say that I blame you, to be all, to be honest with you. So congratulations, Chargers. You got the best uniforms in the league and maybe the best quarterback in the league. Can we get to the Arizona Cardinals game? as I can selfishly talk about my 49ers and Cardinals for a little bit. The Cardinals offense does not look any different to me than it has in the past couple seasons under Cliff Kingsbury. The difference I see, BLG, and you tell me if you think I'm wrong, they're not throwing to the ghost of Larry Fitzgerald anymore when they throw these screen passes. They're throwing to Rondale Moore, who ran a 4-2-40 at Purdue, and is grease lightning out there. It's just that the personnel now in Arizona has elevated to a point where the plays that they were running before now look a hell of a lot better because they just have better players running them. Yeah, I kind of agree with RJ, which is not something I like to really ever say when <laughs> that, like, I know I have the Cardinals number two, but I think they still can get beat by number teams, but it's hard to, like, you can't just say, you can't just totally knock them. Like, 5-0 and is not easy to do. They deserve credit for that, obviously. Kyler is playing really well, and when you have the MVP, it's hard to kind of, like, super bet against that team. Uh, you mentioned Rondale Moore stats. I mean, we had him on the SB Nation NFL show, I believe, with Kyle Posey yep. earlier this year, and when I heard that guy interview, I was like, yeah, this guy's going to be good. Like, you know, like it's not just about the talent. That always matters, obviously. But when you kind of dig into who these players are, and I remember Rondell Moore came on and he spoke with a lot of confidence and not like a fake way to, like, not like a false bravado, but like he just genuinely <laughs> believed in himself. And I was like, oh, 
that dude is BWE, as I like to call it, big winner energy. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> really big deal for the Cardinals. Not only that they have this quarterback who can make plays and everything, but they have all of these weapons that they can uh, just have at their arsenal or have at their um, – I don't know the word I'm looking for. Disposal. But that disposal, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you, Stats. Such a good co-host. Uh, now look, <laughs> by the way, tangent here. Uh, I'm not gonna kiss your butt ever, like RJ does, because that's not me. That's not genuine, too. I feel like <laughs> RJ is like, what is he trying to do? I feel like he's trying to like, like, I don't know, like get your kidney or something. He's, he's too nice. <laughs> he's always too nice to you. And I'm never gonna be too nice to you. I will keep it real with you. I will be, I think, respectful. I think that I I owe you that at least. I think I do a good job with that. But uh, yeah, just watch out. Don't trust RJ. The only thing I require is authenticity. I'm fine. Even if it's a little mean sometimes, authenticity, I'm always fine for. RJ does. He lays it on pretty thick sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I, I will you know, go to sleep with both hands covering my kidneys just to make sure I wake up with everything I fell asleep with. Um, I, I want to segue into our MVP and LVP points because my MVP is Kyler Murray. And the thing I give him so much credit for is when you're going to have like a really special season, there are going to be games when, for whatever the reason, your stuff just doesn't quite work the way it usually does. Whether it's just a, a bad matchup with the rosters or your guys just come out of the gate flat. Whatever it is, there are games where your fastball is not working. And that was this game against the 49ers. The 49ers defense came out like a house of fire. And when the Cardinals needed Kyler Murray to step up, he made throws, whether it was the sideline throw to Rondale Moore deep down the sideline or in the fourth quarter when they needed a touchdown, he made two back-to-back -back throws to DeAndre Hopkins where the coverage is right there. Like, the defender is there in good position, and especially the touchdown throw. It is a perfect throw, just flat out. Can't get any better. Can't defend it no matter what position you're in. He made a beautiful throw, and you had an elite quarterback throwing to an elite wide receiver. And Kyler just, that's what you need when you're going to have special seasons. And he delivered on Sunday against the 49ers. He's my MVP. And he's really answering the call that he needed to because we talked about it last year. Like, we just weren't seeing that progress from him as a passer specifically. And it was just like he needs to do more with his arm. And guess what? He is this year. So a lot of credit to Kyler Murray, who not only gets an MVP point in our activity here, but obviously is a real contender for the actual yes. most valuable player award. Uh, I have two MVP points this week's stats. I'm going to give my first one to someone we talked about, Justin Herbert, who I also gave one last week. I mean, how can you not like so when you watch justin herbert throw stats especially me uh covering the eagles i'm like now look i i want to say here i like jalen hurts but i like jalen hurts for what he is and i just don't know how you can look at some of these nfl like the top passing quarterbacks in the nfl the arm talent that some of these guys have like herbert and like think like and the eagles play the chargers in a couple of weeks by the way so we'll see how this goes head to head Maybe Jalen Hurts can prove me wrong. Would love that for him. But, like, man, I just I don't know how you can look at a quarterback with more limited arm talent and then Justin Herbert and, like, think you're even competing when you don't have that guy who can do those special things with those special throws. And what I loved from uh, – I saw this somewhere on Twitter – was, like, I think it might have been what Brandy, Brandon Staley said about Justin Herbert and, like, why he goes for it on fourth downs. It's, like, because it's an extra opportunity to give, like, this incredible player we have a chance to – do good things for us. Like that is so such a good way to like, it's so simple. It sounds like maybe dumb even, but it's, it's true. It's like a good way to explain it. So Justin Herbert is going to be the MVP of the league in my book still, because I am manifesting my prediction into reality. 
and I'll give him a point. And I'll also throw my other MVP point stats on Josh Allen, who we just talked about earlier. Uh, I debated between him and Lamar. I was kind of leaning towards Lamar because we just saw Monday Night Football. And I had this <laughs> recency bias going on. But we've already given Lamar an MVP point this season, and we haven't shown that love to Josh Allen. So I think that's only fair that we do that, especially because we did have questions about him heading into the season. And also, like, who does what he just did to the Chiefs? Like, who goes into Arrowhead? I know the defense stinks, but it's still a tough stadium to play in, in that spot against Mahomes. Like, who goes in there, in that spot, on national television, and, like, delivers like that and makes that kind of statement? Like, we haven't seen anyone do that against the Chiefs, so I'm going to give him the MVP point, uh, my second of two. First of all, I don't know why you keep saying you picked Justin Herbert to be the MVP, because guess what, man? So did I. That's not just your pick. That's our pick. I'm right there with you. I know, but you never include me, and you're always too busy breaking your arm, patting yourself on the back for picking <laughs> Justin Herbert. Like, so did I, and we happen to host a show together. I feel like you could throw that in the mix once in a while, but you're right about All Josh right, Allen. Like, to go into Arrowhead and do what he did, I think it deserves credit. Even if the defense is bad, it's an intimidating place to play, one of the loudest stadiums in the entire league. We don't see teams go in there and almost basically drop 40 points on Kansas City, regardless of how bad that defense is. I think your MVP point for Josh Allen is completely and totally founded. Now, the LVP points on the other side. Mm. You're not going to believe me, but I actually did have John Gruden down as one of my LVPs before wow, any of well, this yeah. stuff came out. And it's it's a lot of what I had talked about, to be honest with you, the fact that they went out against the Bears with everything in the world to play for and had one of their worst offensive performances of the season coming off, as we talked about earlier, the release of that email with his comments about Demora Smith. And, you know, they all insisted after the game that it wasn't a factor. I think it clearly was, as we've talked about. So that's why I had to give John Gruden my first LVP point. So John Gruden and Urban Meyer are the only two pit of misery entrants that we have this year. And I think that's pretty clear why. And also Permanent very residents of the pit of misery, yeah. too. They are never escaping. Uh, who is your other LVP stats? My other LVP, and I kind of have to give it to them and to myself, is the Washington football team defense. I was coming into this season, I thought they were the real deal. I thought that defensive line was going to flat out maul people. And not to say that the defensive line has been particularly bad, but everything else around it is bad. I mean, they're hideous. They're not just not as good as I thought, BLG. They're bad. They've given up 20, 29, 43, 30, and 33 points this year. The sixth most yards in the league. 31 points per game allowed. The only defense worse than that is the Chiefs. That's how bad Washington has been. It's just, it has been a complete 180 from what I thought they were going to be coming into the season. I thought that defense was going to be the thing that keeps them in games and allows Ryan Fitzpatrick or whoever the quarterback is to kind of pull things out at the end. And instead, they're the reason that they're losing I take the L and I give the LVP to the Washington football team. It's a fair pick by you stats. Uh, RJ loves to talk about like, oh, everyone said the Washington defense was going to be so good. And I didn't. I was like, okay, I, I've pushed back on this on him. Like, okay, but literally no one at all saw the Washington defense going from what it was last year to this. Like no one was predicting that. You could say, okay, maybe they'll take, you know, a step back and they'll kind of be like, instead of an elite defense, they'll kind of just be like a good one. And that won't be enough for them. But no one was saying like they're going to be the worst defense in the league or one of them. Like no one, no one is saying that. And it doesn't make sense. That's because how? How is this happening? You look at the talent they have. 
like Chase Young, good player. You look at, you know, just their defensive line, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Matt Ioannidis, uh, you know, the players they have in the secondary. They, they have Cam Curl at a promising year last year as a rookie. You know, Landon Collins, I think, is kind of overrated and overpaid, but, like, I feel like there are worse safeties than him in the NFL. Um, they add William Jackson in free agency. I think he's kind of been somewhat of a disappointment, which is weird because I thought he was really good for the Bengals. And it was a really good signing by them. Like, Kendall Fuller is there and he's healthy and he's like it's just I don't understand fully why this is happening I guess maybe we kind of overrated what Jack Del Rio did with them but like it's weird though too because even so I mean Ron Rivera has a pretty good track record with defenses that's where he cut his teeth in the NFL so like I just don't know like I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed how it could be this bad I could see them taking a step back not being as good as last year but I don't understand why how they're terrible now like that's just I don't it's a big mystery to me I, I don't get it Right. You might have predicted that they would regress a little bit, but nobody was predicting they'd be the worst defense in the NFC. And that's really what they are right now by the numbers. I don't have a good answer for you. The only thing I can think of is that maybe the depth isn't there. And it's something that coming from, you know, I cover a team, the 49ers, that has great defensive line depth. And I can tell you that it has manifested this season because when Nick Bosa needs to make a play late in a game, he's got the energy to do it because they have so much depth on the D-line that he can rotate out and miss 30% of the defensive snaps and yet the defense is still good enough because the depth is there that when Nick Bosa does get in at the end of the game, he's got the energy, frankly, and the stamina to go make a play when the 49ers need it. I don't know that Washington has that. So I think that by the end of the game, all those guys you mentioned are just gassed and they just they don't have anything left in the tank. My LVP point goes to one guy that you did not want the 49ers to acquire this year stats and you were definitely right for thinking that way because sam darnold freaking stinks man yes. like i am stop be, like oh he's finally away from adam gase and now he's good no he is not he is terrible the eagles won stats on sunday in a game where they had 88 yards of offense in the first <laughs> half 88 yards of offense in today's nfl where it's never been easier to move the ball and score points the Eagles, I, I, like, it doesn't even make sense how they won that game, which they were trailing most of. And a big reason why they did is because Darius Slay came up big with two picks, and uh, Steve Nelson had one as well. It was actually his first since he picked off Carson Wentz back in Pittsburgh twice last year. Fun fact. And like, so last week when the Eagles beat or not beat the Chiefs, obviously that would have been a big deal. When they <laughs> played well against the Chiefs and the offense did well. I was like, you guys have to like add context here and say that like, yes, they deserve credit for pro- producing, but this Chiefs defense is terrible. Like, you can't not include that in the context. And this week, like the Eagles defense rebounds after having two games where the Eagles allowed 40 points and everyone's like, oh, the Eagles defense really good. And like, yeah, it is. But Panthers offensive line isn't good. So that's not really helping Sam Darnold. But also some of these throws he's just making, though, they're off target. I don't know what he's seeing on some of them. He's just throwing to the defense. Like, I, I just, I don't know, man. I don't think the Panthers are really, like, truly all in on Sam Darnold. I think it goes back to what we said in the offseason of, like, they wanted Deshaun Watson. That was plan A by far. And they realized they couldn't do that. And so they kind of panicked and traded for Sam Darnold. It wasn't like they didn't mortgage the future for him. Um, but, like, I think it's very clear that he is not going to be the answer there. This They can still be, like, a decent team with him because they have the defense going for them. And if they get Christian McCaffrey back healthy, like, relying on him 
will, you know, take some pressure off of Sam Darnold and he might not necessarily be exposed in every single game. And the Panthers can be like, you know, an eight and nine, maybe nine and eight kind of team. Like they can be whatever. They won't be like the worst team in the league, but they're not going any. They're not contending for a championship with Sam Darnold. He stinks. He gets my LVP. You always ask with teams, what is the ceiling? And I just, I know that people love to point the convenient finger at Adam Gase, but Sam Darnold turned the ball over at USC and he turned the ball over before Adam Gase was ever a thing with him in the NFL and he continues to do it. Here are the Panthers' second half possessions in that game. Punt, punt, interception, punt, field goal, blocked punt, interception. Like in a game where the Eagles, you said it, had 88 yards in the first half, you got to go into the halftime with more than just 15 points if you're the Panthers and you only get three in the second half. Like Sam Darnold is who he is. And I don't know why people don't want to see it. I know he's had some success running the ball, especially with rushing touchdowns, but this is who he is. His fatal flaw as a player is the worst thing you can do as a quarterback and that is to turn the ball over that has been his way since he was a trojan since he was a jet it's continuing now that he's a panther and i don't see it stopping anytime soon i agree with you i think it was a panic move by carolina to bring him in he's not the long-term answer there and you know i'm not saying adam gase is a good head coach by any means but it clearly wasn't all adam gase's fault yeah, and I want to make that clear. I'm not saying, like, actually, Adam Gase was good. No, I'm just saying, like, I just don't buy this. Get away from Adam Gase, and you're definitely great now. You're a superstar. <laughs> like, that's not the case with Sam Darnold. The Panthers need to look at a quarterback, and who knows? Maybe they will try to revisit that Deshaun Watson thing down the road. I think they will. I think the Eagles are obviously going to be big players in those sweepstakes. Now, again, that is assuming that somehow he gets all of these legal issues to go away. What is it? I can't even keep track of the number now. I think 23 cases of of sexual assault or, or complaints about sexual assault. So that's a huge hurdle to get over. But I think Carolina is still going to be in that market. I think the Eagles will as well. Maybe Miami. We will see. But yeah, Sam Darnold ain't the bird in Carolina. That's going to do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. Drop us a five-star rating and a review. If you're already subscribed, thank you very much. You clearly like the show, and we appreciate that. But the best thing that you can do for us is to just take 30 seconds, drop us a rating and a review, say something nice about BLG so that he can, you know, be happy during this season where his Eagles might not be as successful as he wants and you know brighten our day a little bit we will read it on the show we promise you BLG enjoy your day and we will talk to everybody next week see ya